to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of Wake the Bear Radio with your host, as we said, uh, Chris Hurst and Ron Powers tonight. Brandon is out, although he could possibly call in. We never know. He's out of town on assignment doing some other things uh what a week though man what a week a lot of things are happening and uh excited to uh to share them with our audience share them with you chris so yeah. Uh, yeah how was your week i you know we haven't seen each other since last week that's right um well i've been just keeping an eye on the news and keeping an eye on the weather i got a um i got a a, a short video from my um daughter-in-law in in Arizona. And they had, uh, they had one of these water spouts that occurs. It's like the reverse of a, um, a funnel cloud funnel cloud comes up and it was a water spout that went down and it it was just incredible. This person was uh, filming it. It looked like a waterfall was uh, let loose on uh, Tucson, where they live. Uh, and it was just amazing at that phenomenon. So I'm just noticing strange things in the weather. It has been dog day hot around here. I don't know uh, how the rest of the nation is doing, but we have felt the heat. I don't believe it's global warming. I believe it must be the dog days of summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way they used to uh, say that on the, the weather news. But uh, yeah, we, we beat the heat this weekend. Um, last week, I was able to, at the end on Friday, I was able to go up to Northern California in an area I've never really been to, Fort Bragg. <clears throat> and uh, I took a three-hour horse ride. I don't normally ride horses, uh, but my wife is a horse rider. And uh, boy, I tell you, it was pretty pretty exciting. I It was a three-hour private ride with a, a guide and we went up in the mountains, uh, climbed up a lot of sprints. I barely hung on. Uh, man, I tell you, I, I just thought, man, if I do one thing wrong, I'm literally going to fly off and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like, am I going to walk back or am I going to be carried back? Um, but you know, it was good. I have a definitely a deeper appreciation. And then the next day we came back and we actually hosted a yearly, um, potluck for our street. Um, so what we have is, uh, we have this, uh, everyone brings their own meal and we don't assign anything and we just see what happens and it always works out. You got the perfect amount of desserts, dinners, drinks, and we had, uh, 65 people show up. And so, you know, several people brought tables and, and extra chairs and things like that. But you know, what is really neat about that is you, you get people from diverse backgrounds, very different and we all get together and we enjoy each other's company. And one of the things that happened really interesting, because, you know, my wife always tells me, you know, hey, stay away from politics, you know. And, <laughs> and I generally do when I'm hosting. I'm not going to bring it up. And, you know, it, but uh, I was at a table with some guys and one guy just said, you know, and we were talking about, you know, permits and things like that. And then we started getting a little bit in towards government. And, and then all of a sudden he's like. I don't understand how a single person in this country could could support that piece of crap, Donald Trump. And I I instantly just said with a big smile, oh, I love Donald Trump. Are you kidding? He's amazing. (laughs) All of a sudden, everyone's like, "Uh oh, you know, Uh I I said, so so 
I, and I did, I just did a real good conversation. I just asked them, so what, what is it that you have a hard time with, you know, uh, policy wise? And, and he said, Oh, I didn't like the way he betrayed the, you know, the Assyrians or it was some foreign thing. And that was it. And I said, well, I appreciate you telling me I hadn't really heard that story. And I, and, but then I went into why I think he did a great job. I said, you know, he may not have done everything you want, but man, I talk about this country, what he, what he did and stuff. And you look at what's happening now. And, uh, and then another person chimes in and says, well, you know, he, he created an insurrection. I mean, he tried to overthrow the government on January 6th. And I just said, well, let's let's take a look about let's take a look at that. Take a step back. I mean, did he really do that? You know, did and they're like, oh, people died and all that stuff. And I said, well, you know what? There was a, a committee and I began to explain this committee had it out for him. They, they, they literally withheld evidence that wasn't public, like fourteen hundred hours worth and i said we just got that in fact do you remember that guy with the horns and you know the the viking looking guy and everyone's like oh that guy's a crazy conspiracy you know, shaman. yeah <laughs> the shaman and all that stuff i said do you remember him and, and they're like yeah i said you know he got off within days as soon as they released the footage they realized that they let him in they they gave him a nice escort oh go this way very polite and nice he even prayed for all the officers there saying bless them for the job they do they're good people and it's like for two years that guy was like in a prisoner and he said so what's that tell you i said for two years you were told you know that this was a violent uh insurrection and and you know and they and i said as far as people getting killed i mean the officer they claim they're like yeah yeah the guy got hit on the head i said never happened I said, look into it. I said, it never happened. In fact, they, they have footage. He was perfectly fine after that. Mm -hmm. And so I began to, to break down with evidence, you know, and then we got into other, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, well, everyone knows the election was good. You know, there's no way it was overthrown, you know, I said, really, you know, we've never done mail-in ballots. You know, we had a lot of things, you know, things shutting in the middle of the night. I said a lot of things. Wouldn't you say whether it is or isn't when you have a hundred representatives saying, you know, we need to take a step back before we certify this election. We have a lot of questions and we need to investigate this because there's a lot of the country that is really upset right now. Don't you think it would have been wise just to, to just take a moment and let's look into it, you know, and, and, and then, but you know, the nice thing about it was it ended with, we all agreed we need paper ballots. In fact, the guy who started Hallelujah. the whole the one who said, yeah, we need paper <laughs> ballots. You know, I said, yeah, unfortunately, there's people that are against it. It's the ones that won right now or the ones that look like they won. They don't want to have paper ballots. And, and then I spent the next 30 minutes complimenting these people like you're great neighbors, you're giver. Do you remember when we had the storms and we needed some people out there laying tarps on the side of a mountain? Oh. You were one of those people. And so I began to build them up. So and, and by the time we were done with all of our conversations it was such a good experience yeah. you know so it's not us and them like oh i hate you because you don't you know agree with me it wasn't anything like that i pulled the good things out of these people and i gave them compliments and stuff and that they actually wrote and posted uh on facebook you know they really enjoyed the barbecue they thanked my wife and i personally for hosting it, and they just had such a good time and this is one that we had you know kind of a direct um opposing views in a conversation. So anyway, I, I say all that wow. to say it can be done. It was neat to have the opportunity. So that was my weekend. 
Well, my guess is that you didn't wear the T-shirt that you have oh, on right now. That one? No, that would be, uh, I'd be too gangster for that. Oh I, I, there's a time and place for it. Uh, usually when I'm out, you know, going surfing or something, I'm on my own. Uh, not everybody is as strong as, uh, and so I'll, I'll wear it then, but on my own. But uh, yeah, no, not hosting. I want to make it as neutral as possible so people could feel the the love and uh the kindness uh and that this place is sanctuary for everyone and wow. that's when people open up so yeah so you had a block party and my guess is you didn't block off your road because i know your road and it's a major thoroughfare through our county so yeah they must have just um they must have tables everywhere town. you know under the oh, redwoods and under the on the the yeah, about a mile up, mile north and a mile south, people would come. Oh, that's and, lovely. What a yeah. great neighborhood and what a great neighbor and what a great story to really inform us all how we can have conversations with people who may not think like we do and may even have some information that uh, is different than what we have discovered as we've done our research. Yeah. That's great. And speaking wow. of research, you... Uh, you're telling, you know, right before the show, you were mentioning what you were doing this weekend as far as uh, prayer and, and, and some assignments. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. I was really yeah. intrigued and encouraged by it. Well, my wheelhouse and, in, and my passion, and I believe a lot of it's my call uh, in life is intercession. And if you're not an intercessor, uh, that even the term might be confusing. It, it's someone who takes responsibility to pray. And bring the kingdom of God to uh, whatever God has laid on their heart. And an intercessor is someone who goes between um, God and uh, a situation and advocates, um, kind of like Jesus does for us, through the prayers by by praying. And um, God God's a sovereign God, but He has designed this world to partner with us and. It, in Genesis 1, he talks about what I call the Genesis 1 mandate, that when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, it was, um, it, it was a small cultivated place. And he said, I want you to rule and subdue, basically get the weeds and, and uh, get the weeds out and then expand. Uh, and it was uh, to multiply and flourish and uh, that was their mandate. And as an intercessor, um, basically, I, I walk with God, listen to what he has to say, and uh, I become his voice. I give my voice over. And I was, I've been on for the last um, two months, I've been on a prayer initiative. Initiative is just kind of an assignment. And it's called uh, Paint Your Borders. Uh, initiative. And if you um, know Dutch Sheets, he's a national uh, prayer leader. And he has a website called Give Him 15. It's gh15.com, I believe. And he has released nationally through the United States and many international um, prayer warriors or intercessors have picked it up uh, that uh, the Lord has, has shown him uh, through some prophetic dreams that uh, that God wants us as prayer people to uh, travel our region and pray for it and release what is um, blessings and 
words of destiny and bringing the kingdom wherever we go. And so I've been on that assignment. I mean, anointing the land, um, anointing is with oil. So I, I actually use oil. I'll, I'll stick some oil on my, my tires. And the Lord talks about anointing. It's consecrating the land for the kingdom of God and for his goodness, his purposes, so that the government of God can come and that region can flourish. And basically, um, it, you um, it talks a lot about it in the Bible. There are a lot of different verses. Um, Joshua 1, 3, when the, the Israelites crossed over the Jordan uh, in Joshua 1, 3, um, Joshua heard from the Lord, I've given you every place on which your sole of your foot treads. And that symbolizes occupying a territory to take out the weeds, to take out the things that are harming the territory, to, to bring God's purposes, his goodness and his government to a land and to uh, be a kingdom ambassador, a kingdom of God ambassador. And so um, we basically, when we go, we pray. I'll go sometimes alone, sometimes with people. I've been driving all over this county because I believe that this is uh, my local jurisdiction and God has given me authority here as he's given me a love for this area. And often, you know, you, you really don't have a lot of authority or, or weight in what you don't care about. And I love this area of California. And so I'm releasing decrees and blessings and um, oil is, there's nothing magical about an oil, although God does symbolizes, he, he has this, he says to people who are sick, he says to the elders of churches, uh, anoint the sick with oil and pray for them. And it's really just a symbol and a touch point that allows um, the person that's being prayed for, the situation being prayed for, where uh, faith is added to the prayer. And so I go with my friends and we go forth and we pray and we speak blessings and we expect results and we notice what is out of alignment, what is sick, where there's poverty, where there's um, things are broken down, where there are things that um, are, not, um, are not flourishing, where there are people stuck in addictions and drug drugs and in perversion and pornography, um, trafficking areas, in uh, places that are just run down and look like dumps, um, that isn't God's plan for that land. And so we go and we um, ask the Lord, "What is your? What do you say about this place?" And we listen. Uh, God talks to us. He is called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And then we speak what He says over the land. And there are always words of hope. And so we take responsibility. It's kind of like a homeowner who has garbage thrown over their fence. You know, you don't wait for the guy who threw the garbage to come and pick up the garbage. You go, this is my home and this is my region. So I'm going to go pick up that garbage. And I'm not saying people are garbage, but I am saying that there's some very messy, swamp-like, cesspooly kind of situations going on in my regions and, and they're, they're my responsibility and those that love the Lord to address. And so we do it with prayer and we release um, some oil and we pray over the place and we worship the Lord and we invite him to do what only he can do, which is transform a, a region. Wow. That's a, that's, that's awesome. You know, that that's interesting. You say that about anointing the land. Cause uh, 
I remember what was it, Jacob, who uh, anointed a rock. He, you know, he slept on a had a rock uh, at Bethel. I recall it the Bethel stone, and um, you know, he anointed literally a rock. So yeah, I could see that. And you know, I don't know if you've heard of John Ramirez, his ministry, but he was involved in Satanism as a child and and, and all yeah. that. And and he would walk down the streets and say, "This has been marked by the Satanists. See those, you know, spray paint." Yeah spray paint graffitis and and so if, if the enemy is doing that you know what are christians doing to to combat that you know um you know and so i could see that you are in direct combat with those sort of forces you know um yeah. but you're doing it with with uh, the tools that god has given us so awesome that's good to hear yeah thank you so much it's so interesting because when you start driving an area you begin to see things that you never saw before and often the murals in an area tell you what's going on because they're commissioned by leaders in the community often who have nefarious um intense and if you look at various things i mean there is we have a planned parenthood and uh, in our town and behind that there are obvious murals that have symbols of um children being slaughtered and pedophilia and there are um just uh, baphomet which is a perversion um god uh, principality if you look around your town, you might notice some things. And those are clues. Uh, There's symbology that has been set up by someone who paid for that mural. Um, and symbology is marking a territory. It actually is a territory. So often we'll go in front of a mural and we'll look at it and say, Lord, what is coming against this city that is, um, that is bringing it down? And he'll show us. And so we can we can pray that there would be a, a shift in that because the truth is Satan hates us. He's not a friend. He's the liar and the deceiver, and he'd like to kill um, all of us. He's a murderer, and he's always been a liar. He's, um, he's not a, a friendly guy. So when you come up against satanic things, what you'd expect are things that would bring down humanity and the flourishing of people. And so uh, when, uh, when we see symbolism, we can pray against it. And we, uh, Matthew 16 talks about uh, that um, Jesus is telling his disciples, I've given you the kingdoms and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we have the ability to say, uh, you know what, the, the Lord's, this is the Lord's earth. Uh, Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so we can go and we say, you know, Satan, you are an intruder in the garden. This is my garden. Mm. This part of California where I live is my garden. You are an intruder. And that's not being some sort of national nationalist who's, you know, <laughs> taking, um, taking authority unrighteously. It, it is saying evil has got to because evil is causing harm and harm is hurting our kids, our families, our marriages. Uh, it's even hurting our plant life and our, our uh, pets. You know, it, uh, it really um, is totally detrimental. And so uh, we go and when, when I pray, I just bring, I say, God, your kingdom come, your, your will be done in this place. And I bind up what doesn't reflect your kingdom. It's got to go. 
I take authority over it and I release the blessing of God, which is for life. It's for prosperity. It's for um, uh, family. It's for love. It's for all those things that uh, create an environment of health. Awesome. That's good. Well, good. Well, we should probably jump in uh, to our topic. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically, it's kind of the, what's been happening this last week, and, and then we can jump a little bit deeper into maybe the Devin Archer's, you know, I, I named this, uh, this show, the, uh, the Archer's bullseye, you know, <laughs> uh, on Biden. So, um, yeah. So you just looking at this week, I mean, there's been a lot of things leading up to it. Uh, you know, we had a lot of investigations. Well, we have the investigation with Hunter Biden, which we'll jump into. Um, you know, there was some things, sound of freedom, you know, that, that is still doing, just really incredible. I mean, it, it's, I think last week it was over a hundred million. Now it's gotten released to the, the rest of the countries. So it's going now uh, worldwide. Oh, that <clears throat> is amazing. Yes. Yes, it is. Because, you know, um, a lot of this trafficking is the rest of the world too. I mean, the U S may be the, the number one consumer of it, but there's a lot of providers, you know, we're not necessarily exporting children from the U S to other countries. They're mm -hmm. coming in from somewhere mm -hmm. just like sound of freedom, right? That was from uh, like yeah. Columbia as far as Columbia. And so, you know, these people will be put on notice in a way and, and people will be more aware of what to look for. And, and hopefully governments will, will uh, start to strengthen up against that. So, yeah, I thought that was a really good thing, but in, in, in lieu of that, you know, you have all these hit pieces um, we even had a neighbor that wrote, you know, don't watch sound of freedom. You know, it's just a, an exaggerated thing. Uh, you know, it's, we don't really have a, a child trafficking problem. And it's like, well, you know, the article written by the Rolling Stone, that person that wrote that article didn't even see the movie. So it's like, why are you writing about something and wow. knocking it? And you haven't even seen the movie. Um, but you know, so you'll have that. And so what it's doing though, is it's causing people to really re- Relook into things, mm. uh, you know, that re just just came out that uh, James Gordon Meek, he was the, uh, a former uh, ABC News reporter. Right. Uh, he got five years for possession of child porn. Well, you know, you got to remember, it's not just and I'm not saying that's OK, but it's not just a playboy. When you have child porn, you have a direct link to mm -hmm. abusing a child. I mean, a child mm -hmm. is taken against their will. Um, you know, their innocence has been stolen and stuff like that. I mean, that's a heavy, heavy crime. And that's why it's still supposed to be illegal, um, you know, because just how much harm it's done to the innocent. And this guy got caught having it. Well, this guy, James Meek, he's one that was knocking uh, Pizzagate. You know, when, yeah. when the whole thing Pizzagate had come, Liz Crokin had done a, mm -hmm. quite a bit of research on that. Um, and that was the out of shadows was the introductory for a lot of people. Uh, there was a movie called out of shadows that came out, what, uh, maybe three years ago, two years, maybe three, um, mm -hmm. huge success. It was, a uh, um, mostly done by a stuntman, Mike, uh, I can't remember his last name. In fact, in four days, they are going to have a sequel come out That's into right. the light. And it's almost as if I know it is. It's God's handiwork. He, this perfect storm. He's pulling things and it's coming right after one, after another, after another, right at that time. And so here you got, 
you know, you got James Meek facing five years for, for having, he pled guilty. And this is a guy who, who tore apart Pizzagate. Oh, it's not mm -hmm. true. So now people, even uh, General Flynn commented, we need to do a reinvestigation yeah. into all of that because a lot of this stuff didn't get fair trials, didn't get fair coverage. And it was covered by people that were actually, you know, um, involved in that sort of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting. It came out this week, right when the movie's yeah. been out, you know. Yeah, they're calling it uh, Pizzagate 2. And I think it, it's kind of like version 2.0. Maybe that would be more um, what they're communicating with the two, because it was a 2.0. And and so I think it's, it's um, the typical example of um, this... Uh, Meek was a reporter. He was an investigative reporter for um, NBC, I believe it was. And so part of his story and narrative was to ridicule to the point of humiliating anyone who believed that this um, pizza parlor with the pedophilia uh, logo on it in Washington, D.C. that was doing... Um, uh, pedophilia in it and was uh, even they were connecting some of those uh, players to the White House and providing for Obama some of the um, this whole and Podesta, the whole uh, cheese pizza and the language of how they ordered um, it, uh, their, the, the ch child they wanted to abuse or they wanted to use um, and have sex with. Yeah, sixty-five thousand dollars for a hot dog. I, I remember that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. recently. Which yeah, actually, so that, no. it was a direct link through the, that Washington D.C. Um, bureau, and, and a lot of these were the same emails that uh, Hillary Clinton had on her server that she uh, bleach bit. You know, she went in and bleached out and hammered her her. <laughs> computer with her, her uh, sledgehammer and destroyed evidence uh, so that people couldn't go in. And um, the Podesta brothers were, were part of this too, because there were communications. And so I, it is, I think it's very timely. And I think it's something that uh, if you do want a good source, both Liz Crokin and Lara Logan are good ones to go and begin to look into these these very difficult issues and um, child pedoph pedophilia and, and child pornography, they are any human trafficking. It is hard. It is hard to look at it. None of us want to see. And the truth is that every one of those that has been victimized, they are living with that memory. And for us to, um, to ignore what the the trauma that they've been through uh, means that we're not going to face that it might not happen again. And we're not going to demand that the perpetrators be brought to justice. And so this is going in the right direction as far as um, justice. And I, um, I'm, I'm wouldn't be surprised if a little bit more or maybe a whole flood came out uh, further about Pizzagate 2.0. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And maybe maybe it almost came out. You know, they had Tafari Campbell, who was the uh, Obama's former President Obama's uh, chef, personal chef. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, how that happened. You know, he was on a paddleboard at at uh, was it Martha's Vineyard. And, um, 
you know, he, he mysteriously drowned. And at first they said, oh, he didn't know how to swim. But, you know, Anons and stuff, they're doing research. People aren't taking mm -hmm. their word for things. They found out, oh, he had swimming lessons just a couple of years ago. You should know a basic amount of swimming, you know, it's on a paddleboard. But, you know, I wonder how much privy he had to some of the parties that they had, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he wasn't the one that had the $65,000 hot dogs, you know. Um, so it's just wondering if if they're positioning themselves, if uh, Michelle, Michael, whatever you want to say, is is going to possibly be the replacement uh, for Joe Biden. There's no mm -hmm. way Joe Biden can continue on. Uh, in fact, I think his 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 chances are so small. They already were, but they're really small uh, due to the testimony of today. But uh, before we get in that, what else? Uh, what other news uh, we had? I mean, that was oh, that that chef that drowned. That's the second one that has drowned. Yeah. There's one that drowned with uh, the Clintons. Yeah, it's, it's, no it's dangerous yeah. business cooking for a president. Yeah, <laughs> a crooked so. president that might have some secrets that they don't want to tell. That whole um, Edgartown Great Pond is where the the chef Obama chef drowned. And at first, the news was releasing that he um, he's out paddleboarding and he drowned in eight feet of water. But this pond is um, it's been uh, surveyed and it is only between three and four feet deep. And so, oh, really? yes. Uh, so it, it's um, it's very interesting that uh, there are some conflicting stories first of all it's always a tr tragedy when someone dies yeah definitely and uh whether this was nefarious or not i do believe that it it should be looked in very carefully and that just because of who the obamas are it shouldn't just be oh well too bad uh so somebody needs to really take the the reins and it would be nice if our DOJ would do that. I'm not expecting that to happen, but um, all deaths are supposed to be investigated as um, possibly nefarious unless they're under a doctor's order for the last 30 days and on hospice and have a do not resuscitate type of order. So I'm hoping that there are some more um, looks into uh, this chef's untimely demise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially when they, I, I think the initial report was that, you know, the Obamas weren't at home. And then later it was changed that they were home. That that always is just interesting. So we'll see what happens. You know, just yeah. time will tell. I'm not going to make any judgments on it. You know, it could have been an unfortunate accident or it could be, you know, so I'm not going to say until more. But it is worth investigating. Like you said, you know, truth comes when when people look into it. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, speaking, I, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, because it was kind of out of the blue and I didn't know it was happening until it happened with the um, the new Twitter logo. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden my my Twitter um, app on my phone went black. Literally, it was a big black X and the blue bird disappeared. And it was like, what is this? You know, this is very strange. And um, so basically, uh you know, I, I did some research and listened to what Elon Musk said. And um, basically he, you know, he recently um, he recently purchased Twitter and it sounds like he was trying to do a rebate. He is doing a rebrand of it and that it's more than just a name change that it was. 
he's bringing forth um, through X Corp is the, the name of his co corporation who purchased Twitter. And he wanted to uh, bring about a whole everything app. He called it the everything app. Uh, and we know that Twitter uh, was known for, it had what, 140 characters that you could do, uh, kind of like birds tweeting. They can only, they tweet here and they tweet back and you tweet, you can only do 140 tweetings at a time. And now there's basically limitless um, content you could put on um, Twitter. It's still called Twitter. It's not called X. Um, and so you can actually download hours worth of video and, and show content uh, but what's interesting, Elon's always been known for his essay. He's really eccentric, but he's yeah. very, very smart. So I know whatever he's doing, he's doing it with a lot of thought and a lot of business savvy. And he also is, um, he's bringing us on a, a journey. I'm not quite sure what the journey is, but he's doing <laughs> this. And so the Black X logo, I mean, he spent $44 billion to buy Twitter. And that was both the logo, the branding, and um, the, the platform content. And now he's kind of dumping the, the logo branding, which is usually, I mean, that's a very valuable commodity to most people. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, what this X logo is really about. I know that there are a lot of people complaining, you know, they're calling it um, demonic and ugly. And where's my cute little blue bird that I miss so much and what's going on. And uh, so, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a little change of logo. So I'm, I'm, Maybe it isn't just a little change of logo. So we'll do see. You have any, do you have any theory on this? I don't, but I, I could tell you that X could also be something good. You know, like Christmas. You know, they used to say, "Oh, X." They're just crossing out Christ out of Christmas. But actually, the early uh, the early writers used X a lot for Christ. You know, a crossing. You know, it's Xing, and mm. and and um, you know, there are a couple other examples, but yeah. So it wasn't a bad thing the the ecclesiastical writers would would use that they said you know where they uh they would they would have x and that represented Christ and so yeah. uh I'm not saying that's what it is but you know one can say it's demonic another one could say it's something good we'll mm -hmm. have to see you know but I hope he didn't pay too much for the artist it seems to be quite a <laughs> quite a simple yeah. uh you know that's like oh that's really that might be even an existing font somewhere on, you know, but uh, who knows? It, it is very uh, interesting. I'll leave yeah. it at that. But, you know, I when I was thinking of it, you know, whenever um, uh, I think of X, I think X marks the spot. It's kind of a target. It's the center of the bullseye, the X. That's where you put your your shooter. And then I thought, was he doing something like, was that bird a representative of Mockingbird Media? And we know CIA, uh, uh, that whole program of um, Project Mockingbird, which installed, um, they know, back in the 50s, they were, they were saying there were over 300 major um, television reporters at National, whether it was written news or on the television that were CIA operatives, as well as Hollywood people. They, uh, if you read the, the project, it's Hollywood people and it's um, uh, entertainment industry and it's professors in major universities. These were all part 
of the Mockingbird Project to instill what the government, the dark ops, the CIA felt like they wanted to bring America into. And so it was an overflow from um, uh, from really Project Paperclip from bringing the Nazis in from uh, at the end of World War II, where they took the scientists and uh, they they brought a lot more than just scientists over. What we'll we'll say that. And there's um, so I was wondering if it was like oh a little X on the bluebird is Mockingbird Media, and that there's something that's going to be coming down with the um, full exposure of their evil agenda. You never know. That might be, you know, and, (laughs) you know, you got to have patience and that's what he has. So he may have this plan and he may reveal it a year from now or or even later. So very cool. Well, you know, I was looking at some of the posts on X Uh, clandestine had said, you know, a couple of comments yesterday. And this is what winning looks like. He said that the MSM viewership is in the hole. Hollywood has essentially ceased all operations. And if you think about those two things, right? I mean, people don't believe the mainstream media right now. I mean, that's why they're going after alternative news such as us and everybody else. Uh, But then Hollywood essentially ceased all operations. Well, you have a writer strike and you have an actor strike right now. So there's no nighttime, uh, you know, commentaries. And you know, those nighttime ones were always just, uh, you know, (laughs) anti-Trump, anti-conservative. You know, just woke policies. It's like ah, oh. and 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 so that's that's all but ceased. You know, and in fact, it's going to take a while before they get things going again. Because if you remember the last writer strike years ago, um, it really affected a lot of TV shows. You know, uh, back when I used to watch TV. So um, it's interesting. And then he said the U.S. government tried to tell us that aliens were real, and we ignored them. Mm-hmm. You know that that was a huge. That could be a huge thing. You know, they were talking about the Pentagon, how it, it was in front of the Judicial Committee. And so it was really high up. I mean, it wasn't just some little like, you know, uh, Entertainment Tonight piece done on aliens or, you know, some sort yeah. of, it was like in front of. It's a congressional committee at the highest level. Yeah. That was, they, uh, that was um, interviewing um eyewitnesses and uh, people that were part of uh, the UFO programs and what they'd seen. And uh, they, they, uh, did you hear, notice they used the term that they were, the government uh, was in possession of non-human biological matter and that UFOs uh, were part of that. And it's like, yeah, what's going on and reverse engineered <laughs> some of this stuff. So it's like some of this stuff came from more advanced technologies and they were they basically it was a whistleblower blowing on the Pentagon saying they have purposely kept this news from the people and people deserve to know they're supposed to serve us. We're supposed to be, you know, you always tell your boss what you're doing, right? If the boss says, hey, and we're supposed to be the boss. And they're like, no, you don't need There's to know. Concept. So it was very interesting. But, you know, it's interesting that that came out right when this whole Hunter Biden and the laptop and whistleblower and what we're going to talk about in a minute. I keep on saying that, um, you know, it's a distraction. That's really what it is. It's a distraction. And so uh, anyway, yeah, but I- you know, what was interesting is other than memes and kind of jokes about it. There was uh, the online presence of, you know, the yous and me's of social media platform. It was, it's kind of like in all these things you talked about, the Hollywood strike, there's like 
nobody really cares. You know, I don't no. hear people going, oh, no, we've got to give get these guys back so we can have our precious TV. Aliens. It's like there was mockery about it, uh, even during this um, this committee, uh, congressional committee uh, informational. And it's, it just seems like that there is a lackluster response that that isn't what people are wanting to hear about. It's like we, we kind of know that stuff has been going on. We know you've been hiding things from us. And isn't it interesting that now it's an emergency, even though you've had this for 20 to 30 or 40 or 50 years, but yeah. now that some things are moving against your narrative, it needs to be flashing in front of us in a with klaxons and bright lights that, you know, danger, Will Rogers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think people see through it. They yeah. see through it. They're like, yep, that's what this this is. So I think there are a lot of people woke, awakened, <laughs> not woke, but awakened uh, for sure, for sure. So encouraging things, definitely. Um, you know, and then one last little tidbit I had heard, which was uh, New York City. You know, we had talked about it and heard about New York City, you know, when uh, Texas started shipping the illegal aliens, alien people that have come over the border illegally, not through the ports of entry. And he'd put them on buses and ship them up to these, you know, these various places, New York City being one of them. Well, New York City's like, we don't know how to handle this. And they were the ones touting, hey, we we want to be a, you know, a, a sanctuary, sanctuary, sanctuary uh, state, you know. And so it was like, great, we'll just ship them to you. And then all of a sudden they're like, we can't handle this. Stop doing it. Oh, no, we're going to keep giving you. You need more. You know, that's what you want. And uh, and so what they wound up doing is they wound up hiring a covid expert. It was Doc Go, a medical services company. And they received $432 million on a no-bid contract. So it just instantly, they got hired yeah. to move hundreds of as what the New York Times called asylum seekers outside the city. That's a lot of money. It's like, Now, really? now what does that have to do with COVID? I think, um, I think, who knows? They're all together. That's where the slush fund is. <laughs> The yeah, UNC because it was a no-bid contract even. It was just like, hey, we know you guys work in nefarious uh, programs. We COVID oh. on it. Maybe we'll get some money. Yeah. We got <laughs> kickbacks during COVID. Maybe we'll get kickbacks during an asylum seeker relocation uh, program. Wow. Yeah, but a lot of these asylum seekers or illegal aliens, as they're more accurately uh, being called, uh, many of them say they've been mistreated, they've been threatened and lied to. And so, you know, they don't really care. That's... That's really what it is. It's, you know, if how can the deep state make money off these people? How can they be used? But, you know, so they're not seeing the compassion. They're just like, get out of here. We're getting yeah. paid to get you out of here, you know? So. Yeah. And the truth is that although we have open borders and there are um, components of our government that are using this for extreme evil and are bringing in um, uh, fighting age people, um, there are also a lot of innocent people that have paid the cartels to come over the border uh, because they thought something was one way and they got here and it's another. And yeah. you know, my heart goes out to, uh, they were, for whatever reason, uh, they, they were promised something or they, they came from a place that they thought was less hostile than where they are right now. 
and uh, the fact that our um, our system has received them, but they cannot accommodate them in a humane or orderly fashion, or even a sensible way to come up with a, a spending plan or a how do we care for these people while we're trying to work out what their needs are and whether we need to send them back or when their court dates are and and when we can actually figure out their story um, that there are, you know, whether they're here illegally or not, what is occurring to those that are in New York? Uh, um, I don't think those are the ones that are sneaking around and are trying to disrupt um, things or are implanted or embedded into our society, trying to create chaos if a planned event comes. Those are often, um, I think, uh, children and women and families that are uh, part of they're really being used by the yeah. system yeah it's very sad and you know you think about 432 million dollars what could that have been used for for the people of new york you know mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure there's a lot of services and things that those people need as well so it, it gets expensive pretty quick mm -hmm. you know yeah. they didn't say thousands of people they said hundreds so you know, you that's a lot of money that. per person. I mean, I, that's what I was thinking can, too. It's like, you can buy them a farm back in their million. own hometown, home, home country, probably yeah. and set them up in a small business so they could flourish from where they came from. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if it's a, if they said hundreds to relocate hundreds and you got 432 million, let's say it's nine, uh, uh, hundreds of people, let's say it's a thousand, right? 999, you know, um, a thousand, and and then, and then you divide four hundred and thirty-two million dollars by a thousand, you could buy people homes, you know. And <laughs> so better it's like, than we've got. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what's what's the deal with this? So I yeah, so, something's well, odd about that. Yes, but. it sounds like a money laundering scheme again. <laughs> yep. But, you know, people are waking up even worldwide, even there. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, I read this week about uh, Niger, the uh, country yeah. in Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you heard this last week. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a coup. And oh, there's it's not a coup. You know, oh, the president was replaced and kicked out. Oh, no, he wasn't. And it's like, well, what what is that right there? My flags went up like, OK, something's weird because the story keeps changing and stuff like that. Well, apparently what had happened from what I got was that the president was that was in there did get successfully removed and it was taken over by a military group and they put in their own guy. But what's really interesting about it is, is the guy before that got taken out, he had deals with the uranium because Niger has mm -hmm. a lot of uranium and gold and 40% of France's uranium for their nuclear program comes from Niger and 15% of the uh, European Union gets their uh, mm -hmm. uranium. So it's pretty, pretty valuable. Well, the first thing these guys did that, that took over this president uh, presidency is they say, hey, we're, we're stopping the contracts right now. You know, so mm -hmm. I think they're trying to pull things back, try to figure out who they align with and stuff. And of course, France and the U.S. is like, if you don't put the old president back in, we're going to come in and take over. And so here again, we start getting mm -hmm. in meddling in. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But that that's all I heard about that one. It was just kind of odd how the story was yeah. changing. It's like, well, what, what is the story? Did it, did it happen? And it's significant because um, both France and the United States said that if they didn't give the country back, 
those that have done the military coup, there would be military intervention. And so yeah, uh, we know that there's lots of uh, rumors and wars and rumors of wars going on. And so just keep your eye on it. Keep the uh, Niger and in prayer. I know Algeria in that area is supporting them. They probably understand the situation and uh, that whole area is a bit unstable right now. Yeah. Well, let's get to our main, as we're almost towards the end of the hour, our main, uh, our main topic that we kind of wanted to cover, which happened today, which was uh, Devin Archer's uh, testimony or some form of testimony, uh, you know, about his relationship with Hunter Biden and Ukraine and uh, the whole, you know, Burisma and all that. So yeah, start um, with who uh, Devin Archer is just briefly. Let's remind our listeners because you know there's so many names in uh, that are that are put out there as though we're all intimately acquainted with all these uh, characters. Uh, do, who is Devin Archer, and why would we care about him? My understanding is he's a business associate with Hunter. Um, and so he, he works with it. Um, actually, uh, Donald Trump talks about that. He, he's, uh, he, but yeah, he says that, uh, he's a business associate. So he's on the inside and, you know, he, he worked with Hunter and I think he was getting paid as much as Hunter was getting paid his monthly, you know, paycheck. Um, and so, Anyway, he basically threw the, the Bidens under the bus by telling the truth and not covering for them. And there were definitely some some truths. I don't know if you know anything more about Devin. Uh, I'm still, you know, still catching up with. The, the yeah, news. you know, he is facing a significant jail time right now because uh, he had a role in a 60 million dollar fraud. Uh, it was a bond fraud. And so he is looking at possible, if not probable, um, jail time. But he was um, he was actually labeled as Hunter's best friend. So he's about 48 years old. He's a little bit uh, I don't know how old Hunter is, um, but he he was uh, the business partner in whatever this we need to acquire um, business operations, whatever their their corporate ventures were. Uh, for the the Biden crime families, you know, for the Biden interests, and so it was Devon and it was Hunter, the the dynamic duo who were trying to find business deals across the world, and so basically this is his testimony that is in the face of Joe Biden's. Um, basically, the the fact is that um, Joe Biden had said, I have never spoken to any of Hunter's business associates about their deals or any other member of my family's business associates. So he's trying to dis he had tried to distance himself from the accusation a pro quid pro quo that there was um, uh, there was nefarious um, basically using influence in the government of his position when he was vice president and senator before he was president to get business deals on behalf of his family's interests. Yeah. So that's the background. That's the background. Well, the, the, the cat's been let out of the bag and basically he's clearing the air with some truth. Uh, basically he's testifying that, um, you know, Joe is used to, to be the branding uh, for the image. Uh, in fact, they, they felt like Burisma would have went under had they not had this backing of a Joe Biden, you know, vice president branding uh, 
so that he was used for the to be the brand. And so that's that's what his part was. And of course, that comes at a price, right? You know, just like any advertising, you got to pay for it. And so uh, it was vice president then. Um, and he was that's how he was valued. So that was that was yeah, very, okay. I wonder what that logo would look like of the branding. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to even think about that. But I mean, the idea that um, Devin Archer even used the, the term Joe Biden was uh, uh, was the brand for um, the 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 Hunter uh, Hunter Biden's operation and business dealing? Basically, uh, I mean, what does that say? It says that um, that Burisma and all these other companies that they came in contact with that they knew very well that Joe Biden's support and political clout in Washington D.C. came with the signature of making a contract with. Um, with Hunter's, um, with his companies. And so we know Hunter was on Burisma, the, the uh, energy, Ukrainian energy company that was not doing very well in Ukraine. No. And that at the time, uh, Victor Shokin was, um, he was kind of like a, um, he was an investigator and he, I don't know if he was like an attorney general or what, but that's the famous line from Joe Biden who, um, said, uh, if he's not fired, this investigator who is investigating my son's company, uh, and I'm leaving in six hours, your country. And if he's not fired, then the, basically the billion dollar you know, U.S. fund money that was going to be given as aid or as promised to uh, be infused in their economy was going to be withheld. Yep. Son of a, you know what? Yeah. He was yeah. fired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in uh, 2015, the owner of Brisma, um, I have a hard time saying these names. It's Mykola uh, Zalichowski. And um, anyway, he placed constant pressure on Hunter Biden to get help from, quote, D.C. Um, regarding Victor, Victor, the, uh, the investigator. So he was saying, hey, you need to get him off. And so if Joe Biden is, is controlled or made these deals, then he's obligated. And that's what he did. He said, yeah. okay, I'm going to get him fired. And then he st started putting pressure on the, you know, Victor's, uh, the people above him to get Victor Shokin removed. Yeah. So. And so today what, what, um, Archer said was, and it was just, he was, um, he wasn't in a, uh, he wasn't in a type of courtroom setting and it wasn't even a formal committee um, setting. It was uh, more of, they were, were, they were taking his, uh, his deposition basically and asking him questions. I think this is like step one, but basically he said there was, a, there were over 24 times when he was with Hunter Biden, when Hunter would pull out in various business deals, not just to Ukraine, but they're all over the world in China and France and in Dubai. Uh, he said he could pinpoint where Hunter would pull out his phone and he'd say, look, my father answers the phone and, you know, Washington, D.C. is on the other end. So if we can do this deal, we have um, we basically have his brand. And it's funny because they use the term. We have his brand. And so yeah. even the term, I think we're going to be hearing more about the terminology of um, that. It's 
it's a brand, you know, what is Joe, that's Joe Biden's influence in the government sector in Washington, D.C. And so that's over two dozen times that that uh, Archer was with him. And that doesn't count all the other conversations that might have taken place between um, uh, Hunter Biden and, and his associates with Joe on the other side. So, I mean, talk. he was very closely connected with dad on the yeah, phone. Yeah, it sounds like it. Deals. Oh, they're saying that, you know, he had dinner like in Paris uh, with a French company and then in China with a guy named Jonathan Lee of BHR you know, another company. Uh, and also even the Russians, Russian oligarch, a widow who was a, f- a widow of the former mayor of Moscow attended one of these dinners at like a cafe Milano uh, in DC, you know, she'd be there and they would hook up uh, and, and, you know, and talk. So he was talking with a lot of questionable people, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it definitely had a lot of connections with a lot of these people and there was a lot of payback. Uh, so yeah, questionable and more is going to come out. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I think that was a big arrow shot at a bullseye. I think, you know, it's, it's definitely something you can't get around. I mean, here Hunter's best friend or close associate saying, you know, he's been in more than 20 calls, uh, called in. So Joe Biden was caught in a obvious lie. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, I, I, I do nothing. So right there, he's caught red handed. So, uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens from this, but you know, one of my closing statements would be, I saw a meme even today and it's a picture, black and white picture of Donald Trump. And it says, remember the Democrats impeached me for asking Ukraine to investigate this exact scandal. So this is scandal that's going on right now. President Trump asked to have that investigated and that's why he got impeached. And so take a step back and think those people that supported the impeachment, mm-hmm. what did they do? They, they, for some reason thought that was out of line and that was uncalled for, not necessary and inappropriate. And yet now it's, it's again, proving to be, he was mm-hmm. right to ask for that. And even, you know, he had a good phone call and it's perfect, but I don't even think it needed to be perfect. Because he was asking the right thing. Mm-hmm. He was asking a legitimate thing. You need yeah. to look into this corruption. And it's proving to be this very scandal is the very thing he got, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, impeached. Yeah, for. the quid pro quo and Adam Schiff and the secret skiff meetings and then the whole impeachment uh. hoax number one and two and however else there were. But, but that is such a good point because here is the character of a man who knew something not just a little fishy, but very, very nefarious and uh, evil was going on. These things shouldn't be at that level in our government or any government where uh, bribery and corruption are driving the agenda of uh, high-level people uh, that are leading nations. And so... We'll see. We'll see how it all um, it all shakes down in the days to come. It's going to heat up even more. I'm looking forward to seeing the stuff all play out. It's, it seems like every week more and more is winning, and it's like an avalanche. So very excited uh, to see truth come out. That's what we want. We just want the truth. So, you have a good night. <laughs>